So when you, you're, you're a doctor and you wear a white coat and you've got mm -hmm. a stethoscope, my mum was so proud. So yeah, proud. Yeah. So Lonnie, my first day with Lonnie, I turn up, I've got my white coat on, I've got my stethoscope around my neck and he, he grabs the stethoscope and he's a urologist, right? I mean, that's about as far away from the heart and lungs as you can get. And he says, he grabs the stethoscope and he says, I don't ever want to see this around your neck again. He said, all you need are a pair of gloves and some KY jelly because when you're, you're always feeling like prostate. So he said, and that was it. And I, I've never touched a stethoscope since. Hey, Refam, my name is Kate and welcome back to Keeping It Real, the podcast dubbed The Real Grey's Anatomy. I mean, it's not, but it could be. Look, it's pretty common knowledge that surgeons study and train for years for their qualifications. But today we're breaking down exactly what that actually entails, from which jobs you do as an intern, memorable quotes from mentors. Kim and Richard are giving us a peek behind the theatre curtain and sharing some of their best tips and anecdotes from 14 long years of training. So we're going to talk, uh, just I think it would be beneficial to everybody, um, talk about your training to just kind of get a more solid grasp on, I think everyone's like, it takes a long time to be a doctor. But what that actually means and like what those years of training are and, you know, how much of it's school, how much of it is plastic surgery, how much of it is general surgery and the kind of how that helps you guys become a better doctor because I've heard many a story from both of you just about how, you know, little things in your internship that obviously had nothing to do with plastic surgery have then impacted your skills as a plastic surgeon. I just got mine on the back of a cornflakes box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard, yeah. I heard that's what they're good for. I shook mine really hard but... I got orthopedic surgeons. So I was a little disappointed. <laughs> um, all right. So from my understanding, obviously, feel free to correct me at any point. Um, and this is obviously based on your experiences, which may be different now. Slightly. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but you guys went straight from school to med school. And Correct. you did that for six yeah. years, yes. which sounds insanely long. And then do you do pracs during med school? I did. Well, we had three years of essentially lectures mm -hmm. and then three years of in the hospital. Same. Oh, okay. Same. Snap. No. <laughs> <laughs> nice checks out so yes, far. Yes. All right. Um, and then so after you've graduated, you can tell all your friends and family you're a doctor. Then you're an intern. A doctor. A doctor. Always a doctor. <laughs> so you're an intern for a year. So what happens in that intern year? I'd, I was in New Zealand and we actually don't call ourselves interns Ooh. in our first year. We're Boom. house surgeons. Uh -huh. um, house surgeon. It's, very, it's a bit more That's English, so I think. Cool. Yeah. But weirdly, our final mm -hmm. year of medical school, we're called trainee interns. So mm. go figure. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so our okay. final year of med school, we actually get to do quite a lot of stuff and we yeah. tag along with the teams. And we can't, we can't sign anything off, but mm -hmm. we get the opportunity to write all the notes and do all oh, those okay. things. So. I'll let Richard talk about the Australian intern experience because oh, yeah. I think it is a little bit different okay. here to what we did. Yeah, so we, we do the same. We do three years in the hospital as a medical student, but you're not – you get assigned to different units, but you're not really working on the – you're, you're more of an observer. But then your intern year is when you are a doctor. Officially <laughs> a doctor. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, I, I remember my intern year very clearly. So my first job 
weirdly was my last rotation as a medical student. So I went from being the medical student sort of like on the sort of Friday to being the doctor on the Monday. They were like, don't listen to this guy. Fake it till you make it. Correct. Um, So I remember that job very well. It was it was actually a very cool job. It was a Caulfield Hospital, um, which was attached to the Alfred, and they used to have different surgeons come through. And what specialty were you doing? Uh, general surgery. Okay. So yeah, we were doing uh, some uh, just a big variety of surgeries, and compared to some of the bigger hospitals, you actually got a little bit more access to theatre. So got to see a lot of different things, a lot of different surgeons, and um, great memories of, of that time. Loved Caulfield Hospital. Yeah, it's good. A lot of the times those smaller places or country hospitals, you actually get the opportunity to do a lot more because there's less of a hierarchy. So yeah. in a big public hospital, even as the intern and certainly as a medical student, you're probably like five or six down the chain to get to do much stuff other than hang on the ward and write scripts and write notes and things. Yeah. Um, so what was your first year like? Was it kind of – was It was it was very similar. Um, I do remember my first job very well as well because we actually had two weeks in between medical school and – starting as a doctor and my first job was as an orthopaedic house surgeon mm-hmm. um, and I showed up at work on my first day with my leg in plaster because I broke my leg in those two, two weeks. weeks of Only two so I was uh, yeah I had a lot of empathy for my yeah. patients and mm-hmm. uh, and then for me as well yeah kind of nuisance on crutches and I was probably a terrible uh, not probably I was a terrible patient I walked yeah. on my plaster luckily I knew that um, that it was called bone shop which is the orthopaedic outpatients where you Mm-hmm. did all the plasters yeah. um, all day, every day was the sort of outpatient unit there. And I would go down there probably every two or three days and say, can I have a new plaster, please? <laughs> no, like, but aren't doctors are the worst patients. Worst. I, was, I was a general surgical registrar in Wodonga. And I think <clears throat> I'd gone for a run and I somehow I got blisters at the back of my heels and I developed. Don't tell me you went to hospital. I was about no. to say, I was like, the broken leg. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Drama. So I developed cellulitis of my ankle. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Have I never told you this? No. <laughs> I got cellulitis and oh I needed intravenous antibiotics. So, I, so I'm the oh registrar God. in this hospital and I, I go put down to the emergency department. <laughs> I got them to put a drip in and we were living, because it was Wodonga, we were living on the hospital mm. campus. So I, so normally back in those days you'd be admitted, admitted. your leg elevated. Yeah. I said, no, 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 just put a drip in. <laughs> I used to just go down to the emergency department three days times a day and they'd put intravenous antibiotics in, Excellent. leave a cannula in. Like, I mean, you don't know, like you'd never do that because you've got total venous act. Like I could have been shooting up anything. Uh, it's highly I, likely for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I never took a day off. And I'd just go to the – between operations, I'd go down the emergency department and they'd hook me up to an IV and give me antibiotics. Doctors, the <laughs> worst <laughs> patients. <laughs> the Do worst. you don't have any issue with that? Nope, I yeah. didn't even tell anyone. <laughs> but they would – you know, if you had one nurse that you – you know, good mates with an emergency, yeah. just be like, oh, I'm, I'm back again. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Richard, sure, jump up, we'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, these Country days hospitals. now, you're really like... Could you imagine mm, today doing that? You need a chart, you need yeah. to... Uh, paperwork, paper, paperwork, paperwork. Um, don't like anyone to ever know you're sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's your, nah, uh, nah. What's, what's that uh, thing in your arm? <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> All right, so then after your first year, um, your residence, which goes for about two to three years, is that the same in... Uh, I Yeah, I did. I need to do one more year before... 
Doing unaccredited <laughs> so advanced. <laughs> so advanced. Oh my God, so advanced. Yeah, yeah. I got my, this. I got right. this. My second year out of out of med school, second year house surgeon, we mm-hmm. call them. Um, I did my surgical exams. So, um, yeah, again, you're kind of like you know nearly the lowest doctor in the teams, and yeah. Um, so did all my surgical exams that year, and you get to the the good thing about those two years is you actually get to work in a lot of different units and um, see different specialties. Um, mm-hmm. I think I did emergency and a country term, which was good. You get to do a bit. I did, actually did medicine in a country term, which was... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Less, uh, pretty dodgy, actually. I won't name the town. <laughs> Ashburton in New Zealand. <laughs> Avoid the hospital there. <laughs> it's not that great. Well, back in the 90s, not so great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then I took a year off after that. So that was my <laughs> third year as being doctor. Travelled around the world for a year. I think I only did one medicine rotation, which was a rehab neuro uh, rotation in Hampton in Victoria. And I think by morning tea on the first day, I was bored out of my brain. <laughs> so to clarify, yeah. when you say a medicine rotation, is that like a Non-surgery. GP? No, uh, so this is like, no, so no, 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 like respiratory, cardiology. And I'd kind Neurology. of like got it. Yeah, I sort of had it all worked out by about lunchtime. And um, I think I drove that that registrar, like she did not like me. Because like, like by 10 o'clock, I'm like, okay, I'm done. There's nothing else mm. to do. Well, a lot of those units, because they don't, they don't have to do a quick ward round and then go to surgery. Yeah. They spend yeah. the entire yeah. day doing a ward round. Yeah. Yeah, so right. they can spend yeah. an hour talking about one patient. Yeah. Like not necessarily in front of the patient. But that didn't work for me. Nor me. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, haven't we made a decision already? <laughs> like, I, I think I, I think this is a decision. Uh, let's chart this medication and move you, on. You guys are really filling out the stereotypes <laughs> from scrubs. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, it's really checking out what they say yeah. about the surgeons. So one of my... <laughs> one of like, my, you know, we've made a decision. Why do we have to talk yeah. about it yeah, for another yeah. hour? So one of my <laughs> registrars when I was a plastics resident, uh, he used to call all of the physicians shirt lifters. We'll oh, be, to listen to that. Well, because they'd always be getting patients to lift their oh shirts. They could listen to the lungs or heart or whatever yeah, they yeah. listen to. So he'd, he'd sort of, on the ward round in the morning, so he'd go, get the shirt lifters to sit down. <laughs> and i go, the, the what? The what? That's <laughs> goes, the shirt lifters. And wow. I, I go, and so he had to explain it. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Can you just lift up your shirt? Oh, That's goodness. It's a lot of pressure when doctors get you to do that and you're suddenly like, is this how I breathe? Like, I, I know, even when I was a medical student, I'm like, yeah. you try and do the, and yeah. they're like, just breathe like, normally. I'm like, how do I do that when you just like got my shirt yeah. lifted up? Um, yeah, I very much have tried to avoid medical terms. My other, my the best term I had in my second year where yeah. I studied Mm-hmm. basically other than about 20 minutes of the day was in an alcohol and drug rehab mm-hmm. um, facility oh. which was that was a rotation it, it was and mm. it was on a were you as an inpatient or you were oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay you're right so I, <laughs> I did my water out and then I went back to my, yeah, yeah, my yeah, they were uh, like we room. need you to stop yeah. Let's <laughs> sit down <laughs> oh, I was not a patient there doctors <laughs> being the worst patients yeah. um Oh, yeah, it was the worst. The best thing about that job is that they would have two or three patients booked in a day to get to- detox. And you'd have to, you were supposed to, as the junior doctor, like check them in and make sure they're medically okay. Mm-hmm. Unreliable population. Yeah, yeah. Most days, and they were strict, it would be like, well, if they're not here by 10 o'clock, uh, and, I, and I would be the first one watching the clock. Now, 
shut the door, sorry. Mm. Um, I've got study to do for the rest of the day. Shocking, I, I really. My, my second rotation was as the urology uh, res- intern a- at the Alfred. And one of my great mentors... Are you going to shout out to you? Lonnie Maybe Green, the, the great man. <laughs> and... So I t- so when you you're you're a doctor and you wear a white coat and you've got mm-hmm. a stethoscope, my mum was so proud. So yeah, proud, yes. <laughs> stethoscope. Got to have the stethoscope around your neck. Stethoscope around. Like when, when you, you go. do ballet when you're three and you don't have a tutu and yeah. you're devastated. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway. you're not a ballerina. Yeah. So, Lo- <laughs> so so Lonnie, he'd come from America to do a rotation in Australia, and my first day with Lonnie, I turn up. I've got my white coat on. I've got my stethoscope around my neck. And he, he grabs the stethoscope and he's a urologist, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's about as far away from the heart and lungs <laughs> as you can get. And he said, he grabs the stethoscope and he says, I don't ever want to see this around your neck again. <laughs> he said, all you need are a pair of gloves and some KY jelly because when you're, you're always feeling like prostate. So he said, and that was it. And I, I've never touched a stethoscope since. But you but still have ever a way doctor, you should, you should have been nah, doing some shit no, lifting. You should. Lonnie said, wow. Lonnie said, I never want to see it again. So I never. Which does also explain the KY jelly you've had in your top pocket this whole time, <laughs> which we thought was a bit weird. He, he never said stop. He just said. <laughs> so I, al- every, I always had KY jelly in my pocket. <laughs> The absolute essentials, 101, <laughs> urology. Gloves and gay white jelly. Seriously, wow. that's what he said to me first day. Good instructions for life, nice work, really. Lonnie. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> life but lessons from Lonnie Green. All right, Crikey. so after you're a resident Got to have a gay white jelly. Okay, we're, we're going through like two kind of things here, but as per RB, that's three to four years yep. after med school. If you're Doogie Howser, you got two and then you're <laughs> travelling the world. When you were travelling the world, were you doing any medical stuff? Or oh, I did a tiny – because I was still living in New Zealand then. So mm-hmm. I did some night shift locums in uh, Albury mm-hmm. Hospital and in Dubbo Hospital mm-hmm. in country New South Wales. Oh, you were at Albury and he was at Wodonga. And, um, oh, <laughs> oh hang on, can I just say this was a few years after. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> significant age gap. Yeah. I was terri- – I'd be terrified every mm. single night. I'd go to work 10 hours in um, in Dubbo and 12 hours in Albury. Mm-hmm. And I was the only doctor on site. And I was two years out from med school and mm. I didn't know shit. And they paid a lot of money mm-hmm. such that I probably did week on, week off for two and a bit months and then mm. had enough money to go travel the world for nine months after that. Um, safe to say – no harm was done. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most exciting stories, though, was when I was in Albury. And there was actually, it happened sort of as I'd just come onto my shift, there was another doctor around. Um, there was a, t- oh, I'm going to get the wrong name, it's tiger or leopard snake, mm-hmm. one, a bad one. Tiger snake. Tiger snake. Yeah. Um, bite at a patient it had like maybe 90 minutes away. Oh my God. And they were on their way, <laughs> like Google New Zealand does not have a snake, snakes, mm-hmm. so um, no idea. That's what a good to trivia do. question, and by uh, the way, everybody. <laughs> New Zealand has no snakes. No bad really? things. None. Isn't wow. that interesting? Mm. No bad things whatsoever yeah. of any – no spiders, no – Just no cute little kiwi birds. Yes, exactly. Um, and so luckily the ambulance stopped at all the small towns and all the GP places on the way and picked up all the antivenom. And then they came in and, the, and 
the patient was reasonably unwell. And she was on the front page of the newspaper like 36 hours later surviving. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Happy ending. But um, yeah, that was kind of exciting for this, you know, fresh yeah, yeah. kiwi off so the boat. So you have to do, do just like inject antivenom? Yeah, because they, with that, um, that venom, they bleed from everywhere. So if you get on top of it, they don't oh. bleed. But if I remember from a drip site, which I didn't even have to put in because the ambos had done that. Um, that yeah, it was just sort of not heaps of blood, but it was definitely oozing around the outside of that. It was wow. a, yeah, it was it was kind of fascinating, satisfying. Okay, right? so <laughs> after this time, then we've gone on to being registrars and from the Australian. There's so much more to fill in. <laughs> Do you want to fill in more? This could be like the two-hour podcast. This could be a two-hour podcast. That's not. That's Let's not. do a two-parter. <laughs> I'm happy to do more anecdotes. Suturing? Can I tell you about my first suturing experience? Yeah. Do you want to, so is that why you were a resident? Intern. Intern. Oh, now okay. you're like, turn. if I could turn back time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what did, you, what did you learn during your intern practice that you think really benefited you as a plastic surgeon? Uh, not a whole lot. Um, <laughs> but I, I do remember... <laughs> I do remember. I do remember the first time I I had to suture someone. Do you remember the first time you sutured anyone? No, I remember the oh. first time I had to cut someone though. Ooh, because because that's actually quite a weird yeah. thing in your head to mm. actually get a scalpel. Yeah, like doing damage. Cut someone that's that's well, like you know. Yeah. Usually, if you're suturing someone for the first time, they've got a cut that mm. you didn't give them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, usually the yeah the. Oh, that's so interesting because that's mm. so true because it's just very Because you your brain's kind of going, know. okay, this is sort of a weird thing to be Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Back to May. Ba- yeah. Ba- yeah. <laughs> yep. I didn't segue there, by the way. No. Yeah. Uh, so ED and some guy rolls in. And I'm like, I've been waiting. I mean, well, I was doing an ED rotation. I'm waiting to like, like I want to do the stitching. I yeah, want to do the stitching. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And so some old guy comes in drunk, fell over, scalp black, right? <laughs> So I Stay intern. <clears throat> I've got you know. I've never sutured anyone. Is so really scalp- not even as a medical student. Sorry, just to clarify. So. Scalp lack, scalp head. laceration, oh, yes, laceration. Correct, yeah, yeah. Correct, okay. correct. Cut on my head. The lack. So they're usually bleeding spots, matted. Yeah, yeah exactly. matted here and yeah. the blood. And so I go up to the senior registrar in the emergency department, a guy called Jack, who for some reason had some utility belt that he always had that that had a. Oh, stop it. Pocket Emergency knife on doctors. it. I'm like, what? Yeah. Jack of all trades. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Anyway, so I go up to Jack and I say, okay, like, wh- what do I do? He goes, just stitch it. I said, I'm like, but I've never stitched anyone. And he's, he's like, well, well, just do it. It's like, oh, okay. Okay. So I go into the cubicle, stitch this scalp laceration, and yeah, it was all fine, whatever, it's on the scalp. As, as we know, like, you, <laughs> you don't do have to do, do much. <laughs> like, they heal perfectly. Tie the hair together. But the funny thing was, six years later, I was back, same hospital, and I was the plastic surgery registrar. This guy, the same Jack, there's, a, there's like... The lac- patient or the doctor? Doctor. There's lacerations. <laughs> the with the Swiss Army now. And he's calling me and he said, uh, we've got a laceration down here, you've got to come and stitch it up. And I'm like, Jack, like, you told me how to suture. It's like... Like, you're still telling me to suture. Don't be so lazy, Jack. (laughs) Correct. Exactly. Anyway. Um, What about residency? Um, Different names. But what Mm -hmm. do you think each of you, uh, you kind of learnt from that? 
that because again you're obviously not doing like plastic specific stuff but what kind of things did you learn then that kind of formed how you were today so I I think in those junior years of being a doctor you um, learn a lot off the seniors that you're working with and um, things that stick in your mind are how they good and bad Mm -hmm. um, more senior doctors and sometimes they're only one or two years ahead of you, but that, that's quite a lot of experience when you're when you're junior, and um, and how they interact with um, patients that are uh, that are behaving, I guess sometimes, and, and patients that are being difficult as well, um, and how to be sort of calm and firm and get the information that you need and share the information that you need. And I think one of the things I remember actually in the emergency department was the senior, more senior doctors there and how they dealt with patients that came in that were being difficult Mm -hmm. and without being, you know, rude and getting shitty with them, but just being sort of firm and being able to address that. Yeah. Um, And I think one of the other things that you really learn as a junior doctor when you're experiencing all different specialties is actually just to be able to walk into a room and identify Mm -hmm. if someone's sick or not Mm. and you can walk in the door and I could still do that now like if I walked into a room you'd be like oh my god this this person's really sick versus Mm. someone that's kind of just panicking me like okay you know they're okay we've got plenty of time yeah and and it doesn't happen all that often but Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's probably something that sticks in my head and I don't even know how you kind of get that feel for it but such a good call yeah, yeah, just experience. Mm. Yeah. What about you in residency? What was residency was sort of brutal because you were yeah. you were studying for surgical exams mm-hmm. and and also then trying to get onto a surgical program. So you're working like brutal hours. Like mm-hmm. you know, we had rotations that would go till sort of you know, nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night, and then you'd have to be back at the hospital at six thirty in the morning to start rounding. And then you know you'd you'd be on for weekends and things like that. But you guys are getting paid during the yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, but not a lot from yeah. my understanding. Oh, you well, get paid reasonably well, in New because, Zealand. Just because you're doing so many hours, yeah, like, yeah. You're just and also you don't have much spare hours, time to spend it. Yeah, either. so you basically okay. you know you're working. You, you work like you get to work at six thirty. You, you pre you, you might get a little bit of a break for lunch, but mm-hmm. you, know, you might be on till nine. Yeah, um, you're basically working that whole time, and then you go home at night and you're studying for what was the first part exam. Yeah, but I, I think my main memory of all that time was um, you know you're working in this um, environment with you know s- people who are all going through the very similar experience, and it was a very bonding experience, and mm-hmm. so. A lot of my very good friendships are from people who I worked with at that time, and you know now we're we're all specialists, and f- through all of that, there are there are orthopedic surgeons, cardiothoracic surgeons, anaesthetists, dermatologists, gastroenterologists, urologists, urologists, <laughs> um, and 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 so there's sort of this fraternity um, that. Of people that you know, we went through training with, where it's well, a bit of that shared hell, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and 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 sometimes you like you have a slightly quieter job, and you're actually helping out that some of those mates do it. They're just like, I'm so overwhelmed. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know, can I do anything to help you out? And yeah. vice versa. But you know, it's sort of nice now because you know a patient turns up, and you know, if they got an orthopedic problem, and like I just sort of pick up the phone, ring a mate, and they go. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll see him tomorrow. And like, you know, like I know that they're booked out for six months. <laughs> yeah, but it's just going through that kind of process. And people you're seeing like day in and day out. Like yeah, yeah. Anybody really outside of that circle knows yeah. 
and and vice versa. I mean, they call yeah. me with you know whatever um, things uh, that that I can help with, and you know it's it's actually really nice. But you know, there there's very strong relationships because it, it it's pretty it is pretty brutal. Yeah, of course. All right, so now we're on to resident. No, now we're on to registrar. registrar. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Australia, there's an unaccredited one. There's one that's in a training program. Correct. So you, so these are the the exams that you study for to get into the training program. Or you have to have sat the exam and passed it mm-hmm. before you can apply for an accredited training program. Okay. That was so when we did it. Some mm-hmm. t- some of them now yeah. that they, they don't have to do the exam. Gotcha. Prior. Really? Yeah, it's gone in and out over time. I know it, it stopped for a while and they put that exam mm-hmm. within the training, which was yeah, a disaster. I think, I think some specialties still don't have to do it. Mm. Beforehand, okay, um, but still, yeah, same in New Zealand, unaccredited yeah. and accredited. So, okay. most for us, most people would do two, three, maybe four years, and, and that's where I did more time <laughs> than yeah. most gotcha. as an unaccredited registrar. Yeah, um, doing different specialties. Yeah, so did you do kind of flick through different specialities through mm. that time? So, what ones did you do? So, I did two years initially uh, at uh, in New Zealand doing. I did urology. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a lot of vascular surgery and quite a lot of general surgery because I actually wanted to do general surgery. Yep. Um, that was my my goal. And in my second year as an unaccredited registrar, I thought, I'll do a plastic surgery. I've never done plastic surgery. I actually had, through medical school, junior doctor, no experience in plastic surgery whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but had always loved anatomy and thought, I'll do a plastic surgery rotation. It'll be really good for my skills as a general surgeon. And I remember the first weekend... Um, dealing with cut fingers and being like, oh, wow, like, you know, you can examine them and figure out what nerves and what tendons are injured and then go to theatre and it's it's reasonably technical surgery to yeah. um, fix those things. And I think probably within a week. And the other thing was breast reconstruction. So mm-hmm. as a general surgery registrar, we're telling patients, look, I'm sorry, you got breast cancer, we're going to have to remove your breast. Yeah. As a plastic surgery registrar or plastic surgeon yeah patients have already had that diagnosis and then you're the one going okay well you've got a really shitty situation but we've got the opportunity to be able to rebuild it and so I just loved all the things about plastic surgery and I reckon it was probably a week into my four-month term where I was like oh dear (laughs) um (laughs) this is the life for me and I have to take a really big backwards kind of step now to burn all the general surgery bridges. Interesting, you guys have that in common. (laughs) 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 Uh, And so, yeah, I ended up then the following year moving to the other end of the country to do an unaccredited plastic surgery job Mm -hmm. the following year and then the following year to Sydney to do another two years of unaccredited plastic surgery, like purely going down that path. How come – was there any reason that you came to Sydney? Um, I didn't get – on the training program in New Zealand, my first mm. application, and it's a small country, very few numbers they take every year. And yeah. I had a mentor who knew a plastic surgeon in Sydney who had a job opening, and it was actually sort of three quarters of the way through the year. Mm-hmm. He said, I reckon you might do really well in Sydney, and there's this job. So I flew over like the next week, had an interview, and they gave me the job and so I quit my job in New Zealand and six weeks later moved to Sydney. Amazing. All the eggs in one basket and yeah. it, it worked out but it was a Perfect. it was a big um it was a big gamble at the time. Yeah. Um but yeah no regrets and worked out well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty happy I, I'm not a 
Not a colorectal surgeon. <laughs> yeah, I, that's fair. Okay, and so then you did the same. So you started in general surgery. Well, the system here back then was they plastic surgery training liked if you'd done been accepted onto general surgical training program. So it was all a bit of a game. So you had to get into general surgery training, telling them the general surgeons you wanted, you wanted to, to do, do general, general surgery, surgery. Mm-hmm. and then and then after a year you'd apply for plastic surgery. And the plastic surgeons go, well, you know, they accept him into general surgery, so well, you know we're going to pinch him. It's like whatever. Okay. Um, and so for some reason, I'm not good at lying. So for some reason, um, <laughs> not sure why there was a pause there. <laughs> for some, for some reason, everyone thought I wanted to be a urologist. So yeah. all of, all of the surgeons, would, when I was applying for general surgery, they'd say, well, you just want to do urology anyway. Because mm-hmm. they used to play the same game. I go, no, I don't. Knowing full well I want to do plastics, but technically not a lie. Yeah. Um, so I got into general surgery, which I actually really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I, so to clarify for everyone at home, is, so was gallbladders, sur- appendix, okay. bowel surgery, bowel. stomach, breast stuff cat, like that. Breast. Yeah. Just like yeah. anything, risk yeah. So you kind of more. Oh, I mean. But even general surgery now is. People still do general surgery training, but then that, that all yes. gets split up into all the different bits: oh, okay. upper, upper GI, lower GI, oh, okay. endocrine, breast. Yeah. Like so I think general fairly. surgery, when I was going through, was sort of going through a bit of a low point because they were very general. Uh-huh. Um, Inherited the name. Yeah, and and then subsequent, around about the time I was saying colorectal became a bit more of a specialty. So mm-hmm. people would just do colorectal, but subsequent to that. Um, and, and also with the advent of the keyhole surgery, that was mm-hmm. a big game changer. But even back in the day, like general surgeons, general, they really did general surgery. Yeah, they did everything. They did hand surgery, couple tunnels. Thyroid, um, Sometimes brain stuff like in the country. Really? Would have, yeah. Like a bit of, maybe a bit of, maybe not so much orthopedics, but in the country possibly like rural surgeons would have done that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I just did – I always knew I wanted to do plastic surgery, so – I did two years of general surgery and then did oh, okay. did then got into plastic surgery. So then – and then during your general surgery practice, uh, you do like country practice. Is that kind of where yeah. you do that or is that just throughout? Is uh, that when you went to Albury, Wodonga? As a Wodonga? general sur- surgical registrar, yeah. Okay. I went to Albury, Wodonga, I think Frankston, Dandenong. Country. All the sites. <laughs> yeah, country. <laughs> a long yeah, way away. Yeah. <laughs> Frankston was a long – I had to get there by – Seven to do a ward round, so anyway, we won't go into that. All right. <laughs> um, okay, so what about from your registrar years? What are the big things that you think you took away from that that really impacted what you do now? Uh, yeah, I can remember the first time um, actually, yeah, cutting someone's skin would have been then, um, and I think it, I'm pretty sure it was for, to do a open appendectomy, mm-hmm. um, and I remember the surgeon saying. You're not a timid person. Don't be. Don't be timid. Like cutting yeah. the skin because it, it, yeah, it is that sort of kind of a bit of a weird, weird thing in your brain to do it. And then, um, and it was really good having uh, other more senior doctors that would let you do bits of operations, and you kind of be like, oh, well, I've done this bit before, so you know, can I do this other bit? And then mm-hmm. finally, they'd be like, okay, get to do the whole thing from start to finish. Mm. Um, and then you also generally end up learning how to stitch up reasonably quickly at the end uh, and efficiently because the anaesthetists, you'd already probably taken a little bit longer than 
um, the more senior doctors and so the anaesthetists are often getting a little bit um, bored with things by that time and starting to uh, wake patients up. So they're like, okay, <laughs> cue the music. It's like, yeah. he's awake, can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, that, that was when, when I was a resident, my, a plastics resident, my registrar. Yeah, they would have, remember we used to take skin grafts from behind the ear? Mm-hmm. So, so we'd ha- take some skin from behind the ear because mm. no one, no one really sees the scar, and so they they take the skin, and the registrar would be putting it, you know, wherever the defect was, generally somewhere on the nose or somewhere like that, and it'd be my job to stitch up behind the behind the ear, and you know, being I was quite jazz the residents, I was quite slow, and I'd be stitching, take my time, and the registrar just turned to me at one point and said. God didn't invent plastic surgery to operate behind the ear. Finish up, bloom. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Let so, me tell you, like, uh, surgical training is uh, tough. Nothing like that happens anymore. There's so uh, much kinder to our <laughs> it, You know what? It, what it, it, like, I'm not saying it is a bad story. No. Like, mm. you know, I yeah, think you do you learn do need to be to learn. efficient. And yeah. Yeah. Th- there is nothing... Yeah, worse than someone that takes 20 minutes to stitch up a five-centimetre wound. And, and you can get so in your head, right? Like, if you're doing that, then you're like, oh, my God, like, I can't, I can't, I yeah. can't. And you just need somebody to be exactly. like, take a step back. And, yeah. yeah. Fa- f- fastest is probably not the best, but uh, yeah. Yeah. this last is almost certainly not the but best. But it doesn't either. have to be the Mona Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So then after that, you then do plastic surgery. Plastic surgery training. Or maybe five Mm. years. Is this correct? Correct. Yeah, we both did four years. Four. Four. Oh, and it's five now. It's five now. Okay. So just to to quickly recap, what by the end of that, how many years is that from university? Too many. (laughs) Twelve. Sorry, twelve, thirteen. Okay, great. So what's included in plastic surgery? Do you kind of do – because obviously we specialise in body contouring and breast surgery, but like – Plastic surgery is hand, it's facelifts, yeah. it's rhinoplasties. What kind of stuff did you do during the plastic surgery training? Yeah, so you rotate through in Melbourne, you rotate through uh, all the, uh, a number of different hospitals. And uh, like it's, it's always very interesting because I think the non-surgeons always allude to this, oh, we don't do cosmetic training. But um, the, the skill set you build up is very layered. So mm-hmm. as Kim sort of talked about, you know, there's cutting the skin – I've talked about, you know, the, the stitching up the skin. Um, Kim's talked about identifying sick patients. You don't just go into surgery and do a breast augmentation and then that's it. That yeah. It's a skill set that you learn that all contributes to it. So, w- like I did rotations at the Royal Melbourne, St Vincent's, the Alfred, Peter Mac, Tasmania. Um, and from each one of them, you're exposed to all these different surgeons who um, – you know, have all different interests, but teach you different things about technique and how you handle tissues and how you suture um, and aesthetics. And, and even when you're doing a breast reconstruction, like, you know, you're still thinking about the aesthetics of what a breast should look like, mm-hmm. but building it from scratch. Um, or when you're taking tissue from the tummy to make a, 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 a breast, um, that's you're still learning then how to do a tummy tuck. Um, but, you know, all of those skills and skin tension and uh, wound healing and, like, all of those things, like, that's a whole skill set that you, that you build up over the four years yeah. and beyond even. 
um, that then gives you the ability to do body contouring surgery. So you don't go into training and learn a specific operation. Mm -hmm. And I like this isn't specific to what we do. Like you can apply it to a a neck dissection or a a prodotectomy or a facelift. So you're learning like the anatomy, like the anatomy, the skin handling, the um, suturing techniques, all of these different things that all then give you the ability to do, you know, basically any operation. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we've spoken about before even on the breast reconstruction episode where it's like what you were doing there was incredibly intricate, incredibly complicated. You were doing insane things in terms of anatomy and like mm. putting in Micro different surgery. spots. Yeah, and being very, very detailed and on your feet for a long time. And then it's like, and then you do breast augmentation, but it's like, it's not exactly step up like no, your what no. you've learnt and the skills that you've yeah. procured through but it's time. just not it's naive to think that that a, like all that's involved in a breast augmentation is the technical skills of the breast augmentation there's a lot more to um you know and we've sort of joked around about you know being interns and residents but through all of that and looking after sick patients and things like that but all through that you're 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 learning how to assess a patient see someone who's sick uh, interact with patients and you and we've done that sort of over uh, you know 14 years 13 14 years so um, just doing it I mean the breast augmentation is just one aspect the technical aspect of it is one aspect of the patient care yeah yeah there's uh, so much more to so it. much more and even you know some patients that come in post-op here and I'm like you know you're doing amazingly and they're like oh it's all thanks to you and I'm like you know sure but there's there's so much in the pre-op care the assessment to be like okay well this person is is going to do well with this operation so they're not going to be doing well afterwards if you've done the wrong operation the wrong person so we um we do long consultations we ask people that full medical histories it's not just walk in and be like i want a breast augmentation um or a breast reduction or a tummy tuck for that matter Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of times we say no to people because they're not appropriate because if you did do that operation they're not going to be coming in the following week and saying um, hey, I'm doing really well. They're going to be like, hey, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, because patient selection and assessment and doing yeah. the, the right procedure and the right person is so important. And then um, and then all the aftercare. So there's, there's so much more to getting someone a good result than just doing an operation. Yeah. Um, and and I, was, I was thinking about what we're going to talk about today and it was one of the comments that I remember a senior surgeon saying to me very, very early on, and mm-hmm. I wasn't sure whether to share it, and I think that it kind of fits in in this discussion here, mm-hmm. and that he said, you can teach a monkey to operate. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think that's completely <laughs> true. But Depends on the monkey. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it goes to show that to, to do good surgery, mm-hmm. it's not purely about being able to do an operation. Um, yeah. it's, it's being able to do, you know, every step before the surgery, during the surgery, really, really, really well, and aftercare as well. Yeah. The so technical component is it, – it, it's a yeah. component. It's, yeah. it's just one aspect yeah. of getting a good result. Yeah. Absolutely. On that note, I think that's really interesting. You guys have kind of mentioned um, quotes from the people that have, like, mentored you and taught you throughout it. What are some of your favourite quotes that you had during your training period? So many. Where do we start? Oh, you go because I – Really? Yeah, no, I really 
So general surgeon in um, Wodonga. That was a great term. I had such a great term. Um, uh, general surgeon. So I, I remember very clearly we'd done a, a, a gallbladder operation, cholecystectomy, and the patient had a temperature. And so I, I brought him to do a ward round and, uh, you know, I was explaining to him, you know, I think maybe it's a urinary tract infection and this is quite an experienced surgeon and, or, you know, I think may, maybe it's sort of a bit of lung collapse or pneumonia or why he's got why the patient had temperature. And he's just sort of nodding at me and um, he, he gets to the bedside and he, he sort of feels the wound and he just looks up at me and goes... It's the wound you fool the wound. <laughs> <laughs> and like I don't – he wasn't – like that was just the expression and it stuck with me, right? And and common basically – co- Common things. Common well, basically what he's saying yeah, is like you've just done an operation on this yeah. person yeah. and they've got an incision and they've got a temperature. And it's like stop Most trying to – like, yeah. yeah, like so, don't be an yeah. idiot. Like it's the wound. It's, the it's not wound. the unicorn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the simplest. And, but, <laughs> but, you know, it's really stuck with me. It's mm. like, like whenever I'm seeing a patient – and they've got a temperature or whatever. It's like, I'm just in my back of my mind. It's like, it's the, it's wound. the wound. You fool the wound. It's like, <laughs> of course it's the wound. Like, what else is it? It's <laughs> a good one. Do you have any that kind of stick with you? Like the, you can teach a monkey to do surgery? Oh, uh, w- yeah. They're more than one about cutting cutting mm. the skin. And and I remember, yeah. uh, actually, um, there's one other surgeon who's a complete crazy, crazy person. No? Um, I am not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Who uh, I remember doing a yeah carpal tunnel release with him, and I was uh, like I could it was an operation I could do on my own, but mm-hmm. I was still a registrar, so he was he was scrubbed and so assisting me. So and that's part of the training as well. So it, it, the old kind of um, mantra was a bit of see one do one teach one, and yeah. um, it, it, it's sort of semi applies, but mm-hmm. it gives you the vibe for um, you know you can be watch how to do something and then you can do parts of it and then mm-hmm. um and you can do the whole thing and then teach someone to do it. Yeah. But I remember when he sat there and he was holding the hand while I was about to um do the carpal tunnel release and he was like, Tell me exactly what's going through your mind right now <laughs> 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 And I was just like I'm just gonna cut this skin <laughs> <laughs> And also you're a crazy person <laughs> He's like, how do you feel? I know it was, yeah, and it was, it was creepy. It was slightly creepy. It was a lot creepy, actually. And I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to say that to yeah. a, a junior <laughs> again. Um, and I think probably an Im- important part of some of my being a medical student and a junior doctor was was actually when I was ignored and not treated particularly well, and you kind of rock up all bright-eyed and, oh, I'm Kim, I'm here to learn something today. And they'd be like, oh, I'm not that busy. Go talk to this person. Go. Yeah. And so I've made quite an effort over my time as being at whatever level of doctor and now as a specialist when I was working in a public hospital with trainees to try and include everyone. Um, and even now at the, at the private hospital, we often get nursing students into our theatres and they, they come in usually absolutely terrified. <laughs> they've sort of sometimes never been in theatre before or have been in once before and they're sort of standing in the corner. And it is a fairly confronting environment. I know you've been in theatre before, Kate, and, you know, there's lots of people in there. It's not a huge space. Everyone's got their role and you kind of don't want to be getting in the way. And just to try and include people that are new, that are interested, and I'm always like, look, 
you know, no formalities, just if you've got any questions, please ask and try and explain what we're doing um, when it's appropriate to do yeah. that. Um, it's, it's probably one of the big learnings I I try and bring into, yeah. you know, life now. I feel very welcome in your operating theatre. <laughs> Thanks. All right, last question. Um, what's kind of the worst thing that ever happened to you during those training years that you that has just stuck with you and you think you've really learnt from and brought into your current practice? This is one of those <laughs> so many stories I could tell. Mm. Um, okay, I'll, I've I've got one that is really stuck, and it was um, with a medical registrar showing me an ECG, and she was like, "What's that?" And was pointing, and there was all these blips on it that I'd never ever seen before. And I'm like, an ECG, I, 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 yeah, something in addition <laughs> to the normal blips on an ECG. Which, if you showed me now, I'd have no idea what we were looking at. But, and I was like, I reckon I, would. I don't know. Oh. ST elevation. <laughs> all right, anyway, nerd, nerd. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was like, I don't know what that is. She was like, No, what is it? And I was like, I don't know what it is. And she like she kept at me, and I'm like like I'm not a stupid person. If I knew what it was, I would like it is something. It wasn't anything to do with the normal ECG thing. And instead of um, this is going to sound bad, but instead of punching her in the, in the face, I burst into tears <laughs> <laughs> because she was so horrible. And I'm just yeah. like, just tell me what it is, yeah. and I will never ever 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 forget what it is. Mm. Ever. What was but it? It was a pacemaker. So the patient had a pacemaker uh, and so it, it, puts a blip. A, it puts a blip line on the ECG. Gotcha. And I learned from that, but yeah. it was not a good way to learn. Like if yeah, she had yeah. told me the first time, I'm pretty sure I would have remembered yeah, every yeah, other yeah, time yeah. I saw it. But, you know, after the 10th time, I went, no, what is it? I'm like, an alien is yeah. inside that person's body. I don't know. In, in 2022, you would report that person that yeah. bullying charges. Oh, absolutely. That's what you just described is how I felt every single maths test. Oh. I had a maths teacher say to me once, you're not even wrong because wrong is almost right. Oh, <laughs> how that is. Oh, that's You're great. not even trying. <laughs> no, but that's great. like, you know. It is you a very How old were you then? You yeah, like remember that nine. story. For you're so good at maths yeah. now. I know. And 20% I off. 70% off. <laughs> <laughs> like and I bet you can draw an infinity now. Oh, tell me about the M slope. Couldn't tell you. All right, wow. what about you? Uh, I, I think, um, I mean, my uh, most interesting experience when I was an intern was, um, we, I, was thinking, I was thinking about my second or third week as being an intern and me and another res- intern uh, who subsequently went on to become an anaesthetist. We approached one of the uh, senior anaesthetists to say, look, could you just tell us, just give us a tute on intubating patients? And he was a nice guy. And he, he took us aside one lunchtime and we went through it all. Anyway, that weekend I was on call in a small hospital on my own, only doctor in the hospital, and some patient arrested and I had to go and intubate them. As if? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, now Well, it. lucky you had the lunchtime chat. Oh, tell me about it. See, now you just Google it before you go and do that. Yeah, Watch yeah, YouTube, there was no... YouTube video. Yeah, yeah, there was no <laughs> YouTube video. <laughs> If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear requests for future topics, so send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. 
that's all for today and we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery.